this is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben off the cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue, Blue podcast. podcast. All right, Chelsea fans. Wow. <laughs> Good stuff. <laughs> the pressure's on, Dan. The pressure's on. I, I looked at my work screen, uh, and I kind of was... <laughs> oh, anyway. All right, guys, just remember, no fuck-ups, all right? Welcome, Chelsea. Blah, blah, blah. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode, that's right, of the London is Blue podcast, your home for all things Chelsea. Dan, one of your hosts here, alongside Nick No Brandon, who uh, thankfully his car was not broken into, uh, though his co-workers were, which was kind of a bit of a letdown, on a momentous day in Chelsea history, Nick Verlaney, um, Chelsea have a preferred bidder, bully yeah. season. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we're we're going to talk about all the all the bully stuff, obviously, but we had to bring in a ringer, someone who we threw up the bat signal to uh, late on, uh, a man who uh, got in from Manchester at 3 a.m. and then had a full day of work and then an awards dinner, apparently sans food, so he's just a he's an Iron Man of sorts. Uh, Nazar Kinsella, welcome back to the show, my guy. Yeah, good to be back. Yeah, it's uh, been a whirlwind. Yeah, could have done without a big Chelsea story, but we uh, we fit it all in somehow, and we've done it. Well, here's what we need to do. We need to get through the fact that over the last two weeks, a lot of things have happened, have transpired, a lot of waiting. You know, the whole joke of 48-hour FC was definitely back, but this time about a bidder and an owner and not player negotiations. We're talking about Todd Bowley being selected as the preferred bid. Broughton out. Paluka out, Ratcliffe from the top roof, uh, like just jumping into the middle of the pit. Um, you know, like all of this craziness that has transpired, and um, and then what's next? So, I mean, just in general, Naz, take us through last two weeks to now. How did we get here? How did Rain figure out how to milk just a little bit extra in terms of a commission and get us to a preferred bidder? Yeah, I think that's what's gone on, really. It's been about, you know, it's been like a reality TV show where every little detail gets, like, aired in public. There's, like, you know, a new twist and turn. And I think that's been designed so, you know, we drive up the price. Some of the bidders, I, I was speaking to one of the camps, and they were saying that this has been a, one of the weirdest acquisitions they've ever been involved in, and they do this all the time. So, uh, yeah, really strange. I mean... You know, you said two weeks, but you can go back further. This has been a six-week process. You know, there was a, you know, and sadly it began out of war, didn't it? Because Roman Abramovich had to give up the club in early February. Um, You know, that went through various guises. He was going to give it to, you know, people within the club, the Chelsea Foundation. Then he he goes and sells it. Um, And, and yeah, then the process starts. We learn about Rain Group, the, the New York Investment Bank running the sale. Um, and all these players come. They narrow it down. They narrow it down to four. The Ricketts bid, which was very unpopular and one of the sideshows of this whole campaign, they just pull out, um, not even because they're unpopular, but because they're arguing amongst each other, and they, they were considered a favourite. Um, and, yeah, they just pull out. So then you're left with three, um, and, yeah, the last two weeks, um, it's been about sort of negotiations, um, you know, getting extra financing. Roman Abramovich has asked for... Um, you know, an extra five hundred million uh, late on um, to go to charity, um, and we don't know how that's going to work. That's probably still a detail for another day. But um, yeah, then all this kind of stuff that's going on, 
um, in the background. Um, you know, today has been D-Day, really, the end game, some people have called it, um, where the bidders get narrowed down to one. We were expecting it to come today, actually, or, or maybe yesterday, but I think today was always going to be more likely. Um, these things always happen later than, you know, sooner instead of, uh, you know, it's more later than sooner, really, you know. So, um, yeah, it came in the final hour. Um, this was supposed to be the day um, that, that it was happening. It did happen. Um, but Sir Jim Ratcliffe came in there, you know, the richest man in Britain, the guy who tried to buy Chelsea before, um, a Manchester United fan, uh, by the way, as well. Um, he tried to come in there um, to buy Chelsea. Um, but yeah, it, it looks like Todd Bowley has won the race. Um, certainly, he's got exclusive rights now to negotiate the final details. Um, we're expecting nothing to go wrong. We're expecting no more twists and turns. Please, no... No more twists and turns because it has been an intense story. I've probably missed a lot of stuff, um, but yeah, um, you know, uh -huh. Chelsea are sanctioned still. They need this to go through. They need this not to get delayed. I think most people are sick of it now, um, and I think that it's almost like rejoicing the fact that we can kind of have a bit of a vision about what Chelsea's future will be and, and how we're going to get out of, of sort of the, the problems that Chelsea are in right now. Let's... Let's track back on one point, which is we, we learned earlier this week uh, a, a bit of interesting information, which is, you know, that that two point five billion pound bid that you've put in. Why don't you why don't you go up and pony five hundred million more just for uh, for charitable causes or whatever? I, it, like, did you see that coming as a part of this narrative? I mean, you, you've covered this story along with so many others now as like. You know the price is typically decided on by the market, right? The you know the bidders help to inform the price and and whether they'll bid over or bid right at the kind of set amount. What was your take on the last what what appears to be a last minute request? I don't know if it is a last minute request for an extra five hundred million pounds. It's not a small amount of money by any means. No, it's not. It's very strange. I mean, that's that's more than what Newcastle United cost, and Newcastle is perceived as a big club. So, yeah, it's not a small amount of money. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> it's a way to frame that, by the way. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's more than what Roman Abramovich paid for Chelsea, by the way, as well. So it's a lot of money. Um, yeah, uh, it, it is strange. Nothing about this process is normal at all. Um, I think it comes from the fact that Roman Bramvich is sanctioned. I think that money is very important in this process. Like they want money to go to charity. Yes, um, that's what Roman Bramvich promised. But I think he also wants to, um, you know, claim uh, all that sort of money that he's invested in the club. You know, through loans uh, and stuff like that. So some of it's going to be ring fence for charity, and I think some of it is going to cover his costs at least of owning Chelsea. He's not going to make. Uh, a huge amount of money from this but he's also not gonna lose money so uh yeah i think that's sort of the way i see it i mean you look at the breakdown of how much this will cost this 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 transaction um and part of it part of the money is going directly into chelsea over 10 years you know everybody who's been involved in the process has had to put in a billion um that's going to go to running costs so towards developing the stadium men's women's team academy um, and you know Chelsea's been losing money in 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 recent months um, because of this 
sort of process. So that'll be really, you know, really nicely felt. Um, but then you've also got bits charity, a bit to Roman Bramvich, which will be frozen into an account because he's not allowed to take it. The charitable thing as well. Um, we haven't agreed a charity. It's it's supposed to be a blue chip charity. Um, you know that means like somebody like UNICEF or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, uh, but yeah, it's supposed to be a top charity that's going to handle it. But um, that needs to be agreed to the government. Anything to do with money needs to be agreed to the government. So. On the money front, I'm a bit cold about it because we still don't know exactly what's going to happen with it all. But I do think that actually that's one of the sort of details that's going to come to light in the next week or two um, during this sort of due due diligence process that um, Todd Bowley's group, the winners, are going to have to go through. So there was a point earlier this week when we learned that not only was there uh, extension to the initial deadline, but there was an extension to the final deadline with a last-minute pitch made available to the bidders where they came back into London, they presented to the club again one more time because the plans weren't concrete before that. Again, you could tell, dear listener, that we might be a little afraid. We might be a little emotionally raw after the time yeah. duration that this has taken. Uh, Naz, what did you hear about those pitches uh, was it that that maybe separated this bully bid from the others, or was it just everything concretely has kind of been going their way the entire time, and it really was going to take something like a major bid out of nowhere to really disrupt him in this process? I think he's always been seen as the favorite, and they've always been seen as confident. That's what's always been presented to me. I'm sure you've had Matt on here as well who said similar things. Um, so, yeah, that's how it's been presented to me. But I think that... You know, those last meetings that Chelsea had uh, this week uh, at Stamford Bridge, by the way, um, over Wednesday and Thursday, uh, I believe, um, they they were, um, you know, in person. They were really about um, just sort of dotting the I's and crossing the T's, you know. They were very much, you know, Chelsea had been saying that they, they don't want to rush anything in this process. They want to do it at their own rate. You know, losing Rudiger um, has been a really painful story. I know you guys did a pod on it. Um, but that's actually to Chelsea, to the people making these decisions, a tiny little thing. And it doesn't seem tiny because you get so, you know, caught up in, in the day-to-day of football matches and stuff like that. But when you're talking about a new owner, um, that really is a small thing. So they're, they're really been so focused on this and, 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 you know, they wanted to take the time, not feel the pressure of, you know, fans and just people getting frustrated about it. They wanted to give this the respect it deserves because also they're doing it at lightning speed. This is quick. This is quick for what is happening. So that that's kind of the way it's been communicated to me is that, you know, it might seem slow. It might seem like they could have done it weeks ago. You know, Todd Bowley's always been there. But to actually trust him and what he's doing, and, and don't forget it's not just him. Um, we're talking about a private equity firm, Clear Lake Capital. Um, there's loads of people in his entourage or whatever you call it. You know, in the in in the group, um, there's a huge amount of people. You know, there's there's like associates that run the LA Dodgers in there. Um, you know, there's there's a former British politician working with him. There's uh, Jonathan Goldsmith, uh, Goldsmith, who's a you know Goldstein. Goldstein sorry, right? yeah, 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 he's yeah. um he's a British investor. Um, you know, there's there's Hansog Viss, who's a Swiss billionaire. Um, you know, they they're really trying to get um really into the details here, and that's what the last bit of the process has been about. 
All right, our next partner has a product that I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because, well, it's hard to get a lot of micronutrients in. You know, we're all focusing our macros with protein, carbs, and, and fat. And now we got to add the micronutrients from fruits and vegetables. It's just hard to eat that many servings a day. So uh, I started doing it just to make my life a lot more efficient. I'm getting better gut health and a more uh, durable, resistant immune system. So what is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food, sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all of the things. Again, I do it. It's easy. It's fast. It's quick. Uh, I throw up my shaker usually on my way home from work, drink it, it, it goes down quickly. Uh, and like I said, you get six servings of vegetables a day very easily. Uh, but hey, don't listen to me. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. It's recommended by professional athletes and it's trusted by leading health experts such as Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais. So right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills, supplements to look out for your gut health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to say, give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash London is blue. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash London is blue to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Well, uh, Naz, I mean, obviously, let's let's not bury the lead any further. Um, Wait, is that Todd Bowley's music? Here, it is. It is, Dan. Uh, I, you know, I, like you said, Todd Bowley's been here all along. I think he's been interested in the club for a number of years. It's probably not a massive surprise to those who've been following the story that him and his ownership group uh, ended up winning out. Uh, endorsed by Paul Canneville, uh as of this week, um, which is a, you know, for better or for worse, is a is a part of this process, right? That that Paul got involved due to, uh, I think, kind of future DEI efforts that the the club might undertake, and a guy who's just kind of been steady Eddie throughout this process, um, not overly exuberant, not trying to make wild appeals, um, just a huge. Uh, I think massive moment for Chelsea football club because he does have an interesting approach to running the Dodgers and, uh, and, and certainly will bring kind of a different uh, way of running Chelsea than we're used to. Yeah, it'll be different. Um, you know, it's not going to be like Abramovich and I know a lot of Chelsea fans want another Roman Abramovich. I mean, Sir Jim Ratcliffe's late entrance into the fray it felt like another Abramovich and um, yeah, I mean, I'm still trying to get my head around what that means, but Todd Bowley's been the serious one, you know, um, and that that's the thing, you know. The, the, Chelsea can't expect to have things the same way forever. Things change, and, and you know, it might not be for the worse. It might, it might be positive. We'll have to see, really. Um, it, you know, with these kind of acquisitions, it really is proofs in the pudding for me. You know, I'm not too excited one way or another, you know. I, I need to see, um, you know, what, what money they put in, how how they're going to run the club. Um, but they do seem like good guys. They do seem competent. They do seem like worthy winners. And, hey, Chelsea have had a lot of good competition, you know, that you had an Atalanta owner in the mix. I mean, Atalanta are one of the best-run sports clubs in Europe. So, 
um, you know, if you if you've if you've beaten them, then you've done pretty well, um, in my opinion. So, uh, yeah, I think that Chelsea can be happy with it. I think the one detracting point might be, you know, the private equity firm being at the heart of the bid as well. Um, what does that mean? And um, that's something that you know I've had criticised by, you know, from the losing bidders. They've um, said that we we had our setup better. Um, and and it's hard to it's hard to work that out. You know, Chelsea have been able to look at that and, and reporters haven't quite had that detail. There, there's been some good detail out there, but we haven't had the documents in front of us to really, you know, do our own due diligence. Maybe we'd be rubbish at it anyway, but, um, you know, the complexity of, of this sort of level of acquisition. But, um, yeah, I think that that's, that's sort of the thing. There's, there's probably maybe one or two detracting points, but to win Chelsea, you have to be competent. Well... We have asked the question on Twitter just to understand what the pulse check was, what people are feeling in this moment. You had individuals like Marsha saying, good, glad that the overall process is coming to an end so we can all move on, start buying and selling players and focus on a successful next season. You had Jay saying that he was hopeful. Claire saying that she was relieved. Uh, Craig asking if we can sell Lukaku now uh, because that is, I guess, a part of the concern at the moment. Uh, you have individuals like Steve saying it was positive. You had uh, Eden and uh, Zarly saying cautiously optimistic as a part of it. Silas with great, my preferred bitter so you had the the gamut there are also people who you know are kind of you know, won't equal roman you have individuals kind of indicating that they're still a little concerned about what the future brings what the possibility is others saying like travis that they're exhausted at the process and so i mean maybe from the the fan side nick and naz has kind of given us the feelings as it relates to covering it and examining it from the the lens of a journalist how are you feeling at this point, knowing everything that has come and led to this moment? Pretty burnout, Dan. Um, I mean, I can't imagine how Naz is feeling. He actually has to work on this for a living. We just do the podcast, but yeah, it's it's been um, it's been a hectic few months, you know, both with this and without this for Chelsea. It's been a tough year, I think, to. Uh, be a supporter of the club and lots of ups and lots of downs and uh, yeah I'm I'm excited uh, you know that that bully ended up winning out I think he uh, presented the best you know kind of for, from what we know in the public and what's been reported case uh, to to own the club you know I'm excited by some of the analytical, uh, detail that he runs the Dodgers with. I'm excited by some of the big acquisitions that they've made uh, over the years in the Dodgers, and uh, I'm excited that they consistently win. And I hope that he t he brings that kind of spirit and ethos to the club. Uh, I think in whatever uh, format that the uh, the the club kind of takes from like an organizational kind of uh, infrastructure, I think the bully team would do well to bring Paul Cannaville in to help work on some of the diversity, equity, inclusion bits. And I, I would be hopeful that that's going to happen. Uh, even if he's not like the chief DEI officer. So I think you, you have to have, um, you know, kind of a, a, a chief DEI officer in these uh, kind of modern times, but nobody knows the club and that side of the club better than Paul. And so I would, you know, just kind of, enlist him in whatever way is, is best and hope to continue some of those efforts, Dan, that 
uh, started underneath the Abramovich uh, ownership group and, and kind of pushed those forward into the future. Well, you have that. You have the the social responsibility of the club has put at a heart at a lot of the things that it has tried to do across the men's, women's, and youth game and outside of football, using football as the change agent for elements of our society, the anti-Semitism campaigns that they've run, mm-hmm. among other things. The other thing is just in the operational side, how Chelsea is going to be run, how Chelsea is going to be set up. Can Todd Bowling and his team come in and increase the ability of the team to compete on the football pitch across all of the teams and we've got a women's team that potentially is going to win multiple trophies this season a men's team that just won the club world cup just won uh the super cup this year won the champions league last year potentially wins an fa cup this season he's not necessarily bought into something that is completely damaged goods you're buying one of the three to four best teams in europe over the past 18 to 24 months and how do you make that more competitive? How do you bring additional intelligence into recruitment and to so I don't know. I I understand the attitude of not being comfortable with things, not wanting change, wanting things that you like to remain the same. And it's very easy, I think, to get down on the fact that this is a new era, that this means the end of something. And I don't know. I mean, yes, it hurts if it doesn't go well, but I, I think you have to open yourself up to the possibilities of what are the good things that could come with this and what is the positive change. You know, we look at the hundreds of millions of dollars Chelsea have spent over the past 10 to 15 years in terms of player acquisitions and how many of them have actually been really, really good signings. That's a question that we've delved into in a lot of episodes, and the answer typically tends to be not that many. So there's a lot, I think, from a recruitment standpoint, from a marketing standpoint, the deals that Chelsea can do commercially, Naz, to really increase the, the value of the club, the investment into Stanford Bridge to continue to make it a better experience for match-going fans. All of these things, there is a now a, a ability to dream what could happen in the very near future, medium-term future for Chelsea, now that we have confidence that Todd Bowley you know, should swim through this process, uh, having done all of this due diligence uh, now. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think it's a great opportunity for them. Um, you know, Rain Group suggested that the you know the price of the club is going to go up at least threefold um, in the next ten years. So they 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 really sold that. I mean, that might be a way of driving the price up. But um, I think everyone's expecting that you know football in the UK trends in the right direction. Champions League, Premier League. Um, you know, these are huge spectacles, and they're growing in the US and other markets. Um, so these guys want to take advantage of it and have a slice of that pie. I think for them, it's a bit of a different type of investment. I do think it will take them time um, to make their money back. It's not a sport that you easily make your, your money back. It's not like US sports, a closed shop and things like that. So um, it might take them time and, and there might be you know a backward step just from this sort of uh, you know this sort of you know you know un, un unusual period that Chelsea have had you know having the sanctions and stuff like that there might be a slight back backward step this summer um, and I just hope that fans stick with them because you know I do think that they are um, you know they are serial winners in in baseball and basketball there's great potential it might be like you know two steps back and then you know three steps forward um, and and that might be how it has to go that you know Chelsea are gonna have to change and learn certain bad habits uh, and learn to do certain things better um, like you said I don't think that a lot of things in the Roman Abramovich era have been maximized and I think 
that football's changed as well. Um, you know, I think that FFP is much stronger now. Abramovich grew Chelsea when financial fair play uh, wasn't such a strong thing. Now it is. Um, and now, you know, you have to make every transfer count. You know, Liverpool do that, but Chelsea um, still have a bit of that sort of Roman Abramovich legacy where they can make a transfer mistake and then they hope to fix that transfer mistake with money. And Marina's, uh, Marina Granovskaya, the club's director, has been very adept at doing that. But I think that um, really now for the top level of the sport, you need to have such a clear vision uh, and you need to sort of doggedly stick with it you know for five years and and grow a club I think that what Liverpool have done and then the football they're playing is on a higher level than Chelsea's even though Chelsea have achieved unbelievable success in the cups in the last few years so um, I do think that Chelsea may be punched above their weight a little bit in trophies you know for what's actually on the pitch in in the last few years you know when you're looking at the football that Man City and Liverpool are playing so um, yeah, I think that that is something that needs addressing. Um, you know, there's also now an opportunity to address the stadium issue. Um, I know that Todd Bowley's people have been talking with the same architects that had Roman Abramovich's vision for the new stadium. I don't think it will be exactly like the Abramovich vision or, you know, like that old cathedral of football. Um, but uh, I do think it will be good to have those people on board. That was a great project. And, and um, yeah, the stadium's part of developing the club to be more successful, more sustainable. Um, there's also like commercial deals as well. I know that Chelsea still lag behind a lot of their rivals in terms of commercial contracts, you know. Man United have um, maybe set the you know bar pretty high, but now Man City and Liverpool have caught up to them. Even like Tottenham are, are trading commercially, um, you know, just as well as Chelsea. If you look at the commercial money they're bringing in, um, I usually look at the, the Swiss Ramble. He, he blogs on it really clearly and cohesively. And Chelsea are nowhere near as high as you expect them to be. You know, they get overtaken by Liverpool um, when they were ahead for a little while. Spurs catch up to them. Now neck and neck, if not, you know, going above Chelsea, even though we know that everyone cares about Chelsea more than Spurs. So it's, it's, it's this kind of thing where Chelsea have been complacent because they've had this great great benefactor but they haven't maximized things so that's the that's the route to success now that's the direction and um, the benefactor is gone um, and now it's about you know going on your own it's almost like going through the adolescence years and becoming a man and maybe Chelsea's gone to that that sort of level I, I guess Nas one quick follow and then we'll we'll talk about the crazy curveball of the day um have you heard anything to this point about any current personnel at Chelsea staying on underneath a, a, a new ownership group like a Marina or, you know, potentially a Bruce Bach or any of these types of people who are currently part of the board? Yeah. All, all the groups have said that they would be open to keeping them. Um, so um, we'll see how that looks, particularly the football operation, which Marina heads up. So, um, when you look at that, um, those kind of people, you know, can stay in place. But um, what is a bit unusual about keeping Marina in place, and, and, and this is what you need to think of, is that she's been working with Abramovich. She's an Abramovich person, so she just goes to one person. She signs off a big transfer, you know, Kai Havertz, Romelu Lukaku, bang, done. Now you've got a board. Now you've got a, a different way of operating. You know, the power dynamic, it changes, and... You know, I, I struggle to see, you know, in reality, you know, a, a future for her in the long term at Chelsea. I think that she should massively be part of a transition period. I think that is 
essential. Next transfer window, the transfer window after, maybe the one after that. But I do think that Chelsea will transition to a new model, a more traditional structured model, you know, with a sporting director uh, and things like that. I could see Petr Cech staying um, and, and everyone else in the football operation. I hope the academy stays funded, although I do think that maybe that will change a little bit, um, you know, in terms of the contracts offered and things like that. Um, I do think that will be looked at. Um, so yeah, uh, I think that you know those are the kind of things that are gonna be gonna be looked at. I think that maybe Marina will leave eventually. You know, to be honest. So the last minute, the I don't even want to call it the eleventh hour. This was like uh, five days after everybody had kind of put together the reports. The teacher was grading them, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, someone runs in with a late note and says, "Hey, you know, actually, I, I got an excuse, but I can kind of put my information here and still deserve to get graded." Uh, the same as everybody else, uh, Jim Ratcliffe, Sir Jim Ratcliffe, puts in a late bid. In the realm of 4.5 billion pounds to acquire Chelsea after saying uh, many years ago, the Manchester United fans saying that, uh, you know, he's not going to get into the dumb money of football and uh, overpay for clubs uh, has gotten into many other sports. Uh, F1 is involved with uh, Nice in France. Uh, Naz, this was probably a unexpected twist and turn. <laughs> yeah, this was mad. This was really mad. I was just like, what the F? <laughs> yeah, it's just like, <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. Um, yeah, I, I still don't really have my head around this fully, like what the motivation was. We, you know, me and my friends in the media, we have a few theories um, what it was, but we don't really know the true motivation of like, why would you bid after deadlines you know, it would cause Chelsea huge problems if you get put forward. I mean, I really hope that, you know, they don't seriously consider this and they just carry on down the Todd Bowley path. Um, and yeah, he, he talks such a good game, though, in his statement. He's like basically saying, I'm another Abramovich, like, come with me. Um, but in reality, I, you know, we're like, surely there's an ulterior motive here. Um, you know, one thing I thought maybe he's trying to drive up the price in the last minute. Maybe there was one more negotiating sticking point with Todd Bowley that they, that the you know Chelsea board um, wanted to work out. Um, and and then that was one of my theories. The other one, just the publicity stunt that other people have had. Um, you know, there's a problem with Nice. Are you going to offload Nice and um, to go in with Chelsea? Um, man, I don't know. There's just so many issues with it. So. Yeah, um, I'm not expecting it to be serious. I'm expecting it to be dropped. Um, I mean, it, it kind of looks embarrassing to me as well for somebody who's supposed to be a respected businessman to do that. I mean, if it, you know, to, to not reach deadlines. Um, and he also ruled himself out earlier in the process. Let, let's not forget that. Um, yeah. He ruled himself out. He said Chelsea was too expensive in 2019. Um, you know, that's why he bought Nice. So fair enough. Maybe Nice is a better business for growth fair play go for it um but don't come crawling back with a fake bid i mean it was it was all very strange um and yeah i hope that it gets batted away maybe i'll eat my words but i'm really hoping it does i i guess uh, there's there's so much to unpack with this and and we you know we're, we're only like eight hours into this story so i'm sure more will will develop after we're done recording this obviously but if you're one of the other three bidders and you wake up to that news today and you've done the five rounds of diligence and you've met 
everyone that there is to meet in multiple trips to London and you feel like you've put your best foot forward in this process and then someone comes in with four and a half billion pounds at the end and it's really two and a half billion pounds like everyone else was meant to bid and then a promise for two billion more right stadium and and funding what is your like? Could you imagine what the other bids were going through today as as they were kind of coming to this uh, inevitable conclusion? Yeah, it's a really good point, Nick. And I think that you know I did speak to some people in those bids about it. I was like, "What's this?" And they're just like, "I don't know. It's just, it's not right. It's just ridiculous." But um, yeah, there's just been so much craziness during this process that it was just another one almost. But yeah, um, you're right. It really wasn't good and 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 if it proceeded and i don't think it has or will um but if it did proceed they would those people would feel insulted and their time has been wasted you know i I think another interesting facet to it and this is where i think to your point nick about the frustration that other bidders might have felt but also to naz's point on the lack of going through the process to share and to educate in the same way other bids have done. All the other bids were sitting down with Paul Canneville. All the bids were sitting down with the trust. They were sitting down with the CPO. They were sitting down with Chelsea Pride, the Chelsea Women Supporters Group. They were engaging fully in this process to because this is the club is not just the business that they are buying. The club is not just a stadium or the players on the pitch. The club is the community and the supporters around it and that surround it and that involve it as a part of their daily lives for probably way more time than significant others or family members would ever want them to do or invest into something else. And that, to me, just smacked of a little bit of... um, uh, I don't fucking give a shit type of attitude <laughs> that really uh, soured the uh, the idea of any type of additional bid, regardless of who it was. And so I, I, I am glad that uh, seemingly, even though uh, I guess now as there were reports, uh, I saw that at least The Athletic was saying that um, maybe Mr. Radcliffe, Sir Radcliffe was encouraged after a conversation with Bruce Buck that he should put forward this 4.5 billion pound investment that... Yeah, what, did, what did Bruce say to get 4.5 billion pounds? Cause I need to, I need that leverage in my next work contract. Can we, can we figure it out or what? Well, uh, so Jim Ratcliffe lives in Monaco and I know that's a, a, a good haunt of, of Mr. Abramovich and, um, you know, a few of his chums. So, you know, it would surprise me if they didn't know each other already. Um, and I think that's similar for a lot of these guys in the process. They do know each other. Um, so yeah, maybe a bit of hijinks, maybe, Maybe a sneaky negotiating tactic. Who knows? I hope we find out because, yeah, um, yeah, I'd I'd love to I'd love to know what was going on. But for me, it's just like the wrestling memes were were what it was all about. You know, it was good to see a guy come into the ring with a steel chair. Uh, you know, like a baddie, try and hit the try and hit the champ. The champ ducks it, hits him back. You know, sends him back over the top rope, um, and that's what's happened with Todd Bowley. You know, like it's just absolutely, it's kind of kind of dramatic, isn't it? I mean, I mean, the Netflix series maybe it's um, maybe there's going to be a Netflix series about it, and and we can sell it on there. You know, another twist and turn in the story. I, yeah, I mean, it's just this whole thing has been so bonkers, and I, and I think the point's been made, Naz. Like, this is a perspective I'd like from you. 
like typically in these sales, like we didn't get anywhere near this amount of information for Newcastle, right? Even though there was a little more than, than you might have expected. This has been a reality TV show dressed in a sale of a football club. And it felt very much like this Ratcliffe piece and the extra 500 million pounds and some of the little nuggets that you get along the way were more for drama and entertainment than than anything else. I mean, people have said that there hasn't been a sale like this before. Obviously, the circumstances for the sale are dramatic in and of themselves. When you look back on this story in a couple of years, it, will this be the most wild thing that you've covered to this point? Yeah, I think so. And um, yeah, I think it's one of the I think it's the most wild um, takeover story in in British, you know, certainly Premier League history. Anyway, since the time of the the Premier League. So, um, yeah, I think it's, you know, it owes to the fact that it's happened in a wartime. It owes to the fact that Chelsea's a distressed asset. It owes to the fact that maybe Reign have actually done a good job. Like, it does look from the outside like they've done a bad job. Um, and they and it does annoy a lot of people the way they've operated in a, in a way. But at the end of the day, they're working for Mr. Abramovich. So if they get a, a world record, um, you know, sort of, you know, fee for a sports club out of a crisis, then they've done their job, and 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 that's what it's about. And I think that that's what everything, the entertainment factor, has been about driving up the price. And 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 that's and that's why that's why all this sort of stuffs happened. That's why so much of it's been public. That's why there's been, they they've loved playing the bidders off against each other. They've been slagging each other off publicly behind closed doors. Um, I, I, you know, it's like they've got their promos out WWE style, um, and and they've loved all that because that's that's driven up the price. That's made them want to compete against each other, and and you know you don't usually you know Newcastle United. You mentioned that it was just it was just um you know the 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 public investment fund from Saudi Arabia. There was nobody else in the mix, really, um, to buy Newcastle. Not publicly that we knew of. They weren't being played off against each other. They just went. For the best option straight away, but but here they're being played off against each other. Each stage, you know, the fact there's stages as well. Um, you know, it's like a game show, isn't it? So, um, yeah, that's the way that's the way I've rationalised it in my head, um, looking at it from the outside. Um, and yeah, um, that's why this has been a unique story. That's why it's been kind of traumatic for Chelsea fans. Um, I think almost every Chelsea fan that I've spoken to. Um, just wanted it done now, and um, I, I could totally get that. So, Naz, the, the last point of order is what happens next. So we know that Rain and Chelsea have basically given Todd Bowley five to seven days to finalize all of the other items that he needs to do now. I mean, I don't think this happens over a, a Venmo or a Cash App. This is going to happen a little more structured than that. Uh, and then there's the process with the UK government where they're going to need to license the sale. There's the Premier League uh, directors and owners test that they're going to have through, to go through. But there's some instances that apparently some of this has been pre-vetted, which might speed it up, even though there's also been public statements saying it's going to take the time it takes. But we know there's a May 31st deadline to get everything done. What are you hearing or what are you understanding about what the journey is from here? Yeah, I think you summed up a lot of it well there. Yeah, it's like five to seven days to sign the purchase agreement, which is something for Todd Bowley and his consortium to do. Um, and yeah, there might be a few little details to sort out with Chelsea as well. Um, but that that's probably like five to seven days. 
Um, yeah, you were right as well about the Premier League. They've got to do their due diligence, the owners and directors test. That's a big part of it. Um, and yeah, uh, that, that takes usually two weeks is the minimum. So they're trying to aim to do two weeks. They've pre-vetted all the bidders and, and Todd Bowley's bid. Um, and yeah, that's that's hoped to streamline it. But it's, you know, from what I've heard, it's not going to have a massive effect. They could only do so much. They weren't they weren't that able. They have to, due diligence is about attention to detail. You can't, you can't, you know, pre-vet. You can't do that too easily. So they kind of know what's coming, uh, but they really have to do a proper due diligence on Chelsea. So that's a couple of weeks really until this is completely done. Um, the hard deadline is the thirty-first of May. Um, you know that's when Chelsea's license, operating license. Don't forget Chelsea is sanctioned. Um, and they've got a license from the UK government to operate. So they really need to get it done by the 31st of May. Also, a lot of the players, you know, Abramovich doesn't want to keep putting his money in when he's selling the club. Um, they just want it done on their end as well. Um, and, you know, the financial restra you know, restraints, if it runs on into the summer, it affects the transfer business. It, it could slightly devalue the assets. So they want to get it done um, by the end of May. Uh, the transfer window opens um, June 11th, I believe, um, or, or around that time. So, you know, they want to get it done certainly completely by then um, so they're able to do stuff. Um, they're not even able to work out a transfer budget yet. So nothing is moving on that front. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. They will, they will hand over a license. They will give a new operating license. Everything will go back to normal once a new owner comes in. Um, and, yeah, um, we'll probably have... You know, big announcement, bells and whistles, Chelsea website, reveal, um, hopefully some interviews with the media like me. I Maybe I'll meet Todd Bowley and see his, um, you know, uh, Jedi way of talking that I was talking to you guys about on WhatsApp. You know, he sounds like he's a, a Star these Wars movie These are not the droids character. you're looking for. Yeah, <laughs> these are not the droids you're looking for. Yeah, you want to see that in person. Um, yeah, he might do a Jedi mind trick on me, but we'll see. Um, so yeah, I think that's, I think that's it really. Um, I'm trying to think if there's, yeah, that, that, that as far as I can tell is what's going to go on, but the UK government's there to handle the money and that's, that's their part, part in the process. They don't want to be, um, you know, involved in this as, as, as little as possible. So, um, yeah, they want to freeze the money into an account. They're, they're willing to talk about charity stuff. So we'll see where that goes and, and we'll work that out, um, at a later date, but yeah, um, that's sort of everything, unless you think I've forgotten something there. Nope, it's enough. <laughs> they have enough to do. <laughs> uh, it sounds like the saga as it stands is mostly concluded, as long as all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed and the money is exchanged as agreed upon. Chelsea should have a new owner. That new owner should be Todd Bowley and his consortium. And that is where we leave it for this point because there's no other news that's going to happen i hope at least within the uh, couple of hours remaining in the wood. uk day and the uh, hours left in the u.s business day uh, for anyone to potentially change this but we want to thank you naz for staying up a little late to get us the details before uh, you signed off for the evening and uh, all the work that you and uh, your peer group have done covering this story uh, has been fantastic yeah, thanks guys. Yeah, I'm gonna have a sleep and then I'm gonna have a drink. I'm sure Rain Banker in the in like the swankiest New York bar right now, just uh, smashing their cocktails. <laughs> What's more expensive than Dom? Because that's what they're buying right now. 
All right, well, that is going to do it. Thank you again, Naz. Thank you, Nick. And until next time, Chelsea fans, when we talk about the Todd Bowley Showtime Blues, keep the flag flying high.